It's 5 o'clock in pirate country, and it's time to get pumped up with the P-Man. Hit the road. 94.3 The Game is going to get you home, and the P-Man's not holding back. Yes! Yes! Pirates win! Pirates win! Bring on the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. Holy mackerel! Oh my goodness! The flagship station of the ECU Pirates. Well, that was fun, wasn't it, Ben? A whole lot of fun. That week we got to talk about the Panthers could go to the playoffs. That was fun. Yeah, it was fun while it lasted. Uh, but I, I guess they could still go, right? Yeah, well, Tampa lost. So, yeah, it's, we're like right back in the same scenario. Oh, well, right, so it was fun not talking about it for a few hours. And then Tampa imploded. It was bad. I mean, it, it, third quarter, they just went. They looked like a JV team, right? The yeah, Bucks, I mean. That's kind of been the story of their season, though. High expectations and can't live up to them. So your Panthers are now what, Ben? I know you know this. We're five and nine? Five and nine, yeah. The Bucks are now six and eight? Uh, six and, yeah, six and eight, I believe. The winner of that division is not going to have, uh, not be above 500, are they? Probably are not. It, but that's happened before in the NFC South. Right, yeah. No, no, I know. I know. I know, but I mean, I, I'm just thinking through it. Tampa's, well, I don't know. Tampa's got, uh, they've got, uh, but it's a road game on Christmas night at, uh, at the Cardinals at Arizona. I could see them winning that. I don't think yeah, the Cardinals are as tough as a matchup as most people believe they've been. Not kind now. Of, yeah. They've not been now. They're not, not now. They've been kind of a mess. So that's, yeah, they're, they're out there, right? I mean, that's a win. And then they got the Panthers. So that kind of comes down to that, right? Yeah, I, I, I don't see us winning that game. I don't, but how about uh, things have happened. How about Christmas Eve? Do you see your Panthers winning against uh, Detroit? See, I, looking at that four-game stretch, including the Steelers, I thought Detroit was the toughest matchup. So I don't think so. Detroit... I mean, they they're capable of scoring forty points on you just like that. Um, their big problem yeah. is defense, and our defense is terrible right now. So I'd, it, it's I, I would tough. say the running game is a little rough for your. For oh your yeah, career. run game was not good at all either. I, I, it's kind of weird because a lot of people's takeaway from that game was that Sam Darnold was the problem. I'm like, did we watch the same game? Did you not see the defense? Did you not see the run game? Did you not see? I the thought Darnold was fine. Darnold, Darnold was great. Was fine. That was probably one of the better Darnold games, I would say. This is uh, this is interim head coach Steve Wilkes talking about uh, the team not executing overall. Do a great job, and that starts with me. Uh, and uh, our preparation, uh, thought we were ready. We didn't go out and execute today in uh, so many different facets. Did Bama Z give us that audio? Did yeah, I'm wondering. Off his yeah. TV again? What's was that through a walkie-talkie? Uh, was somebody banned from the press conference? Uh, they had a spy or something. I, that was I don't know. Bam, you know, Bama Z would record the stuff off his TV and then claim he was at the game. That's exactly what it sounds like, though. But you know what? He's like a big-time, you know, announcer, and I'm here with you. So what do I know? Not that being here with you is a bad thing, Ben, but I digress. 
<laughs> yeah, he found a way. Yeah, he found a way to the BS well, it and worked out for him. He he's BSed it for sure. Um, yeah, I, I think it's just it's it's going to be attrition. Who can who can just get to the finish line? And then you're an early round blowout exit, probably. Yeah, and but then, hey, the the hope is still alive. And then what the, it's worth. the Saints winning yesterday with a two that quarterback system. Yeah, that made yeah. the whole South interesting. It's just a weird, weird year. Yeah, it really is in the NFC South. It really, it's a lot of mad or bad teams, you know. Especially in the NFC. NFC is very weak yeah. this year. And I, so, uh, oh gosh, help me here, Ben. Eagles quarterback Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts sprained his shoulder. You don't know sports. I know. I'm not sportsing hard enough. Jalen Hurts <laughs> has uh, hurt his shoulder apparently. What does that mean? Well, that's what I'm saying. What does that mean? Gardner Minshew, baby. <laughs> well, that could be Gardner Minshew. Time to put on my favorite Gardner Minshew socks. I didn't realize that was a thing. Um, <laughs> Pirates and the pros are going to get interesting. It could get real interesting. Uh, the uh, Pirates on the hardwood. I mean, honestly, who is that crowd on Saturday? Yeah. Big win play. Too. If they oh huge win if they play like that in the first half, if they played like that every game, they'd be in every game if not win most every game. I mean, just an unbelievable first half. And, and I get people say that uh, you know South Carolina is like easily the weakest link in the SEC in basketball, and they're rebuilding. Nonetheless, those are games in the past we didn't what, win in previous what, what, seasons. What's ECU the front runner in the yeah, American? Exactly, no. yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's that's the exact thing going on in Greenville. We we'll take rebuilding. a win over an SEC team. Come yes. on now. Like, yeah, what are Absolutely. we complaining about? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we'll do some of the audio from that in our pirate report. We've got Commissioner Mike Oresco on today. So we want to allot time because Commissioner Oresco. I'll get my timer out. He likes to, he, he, he likes to uh, kind of, you know, elaborate, which I'm fine with. Totally fine with. So Mike Oresco coming up. Uh, we'll go ahead and get a break in. Is there anything else, Ben? I, oh, Navy's hired a new coach. Brian Newberry, defensive coordinator. I How guess do you feel you about could, that one? I guess if you could make an argument. Well, here's what I would say. If you can make an argument that there's an area of the game that has been consistently okay, I guess it's been the defense. Yeah, I mean, but, I mean it hasn't stood out either. It's just been okay. No, no, yeah. well, that's what I mean. And, and I mean... If you're, I, I just, I don't know. If you're making that change, then you would, to me, separate yourself from everything from that regime. Now, could there be more to this? Could there have been a rift between Newberry and Niamatololo? I don't know. Well, there's not a lot of options out there for head coaches out there in college right now. So maybe that had something to do with it, unless you're getting a coordinator from somewhere. Otherwise, I mean, not a lot of experienced coaches out there that are free agents right now. Well, you'd have to get somebody who would run that system yeah. or a variation of that system, and, and that that's a small coaching pool. To, to Coach Ken's credit, I mean, that is, not a easy, that is not an easy job at all. That's a very tough job in college football, especially with a service academy. I mean, it's... Well, I, I really, I think, I really... So with this hire and every... I just really wonder if we go back to... 
you know, we go to what Nia Matalolo said after the fact he got let, uh, let go. Was this really something that was done out of frustration? I- I'm sure they were considering it, but I mean, you know, how much of it was frustration because of losing the Army for the fifth time in seven years? Well, Coach Kin said straight after the uh, the Army Navy yeah, game in the locker I mean. room, got fired him. Right. He got, I mean, that's. That's not fair. That's not fair at all. No, he didn't I mean, deserve they, that. If they had left, if they had a tarmac to have left him on, they'd have left him on it, like Lane Kiffin. But <laughs> apparently not. So I just I find that that must be what it's about, then. Because I, to me, I think it's difficult to sit there and say, okay, we don't like the direction it's going in, but you keep the direction it's been going in. Yeah, in a sense. Okay. And, and and you take a chance on somebody who's truly never been a head coach. I only I'm trying to rationalize that maybe they're like, all right, this guy's within the system. He understands how to run a service academy and how it should work. Oh, we can't really find guys. Well, you, out but there you that had have one experience. Yeah, you had one. Yeah, of that's those. the thing. Yeah. Well, younger guy, maybe maybe there's a little bit more uh, potential there. I you know I, I who knows. I don't know. You're probably saving money in the process. He probably is cheaper. I, and that's that probably does have something to do with. Yeah. That, let's be honest. So I I don't know Benjamin. I I really don't. That, that I, was I, a head scratcher for sure. It's a little bit of a head scratcher. Uh, Ben will have the deets on that coming up. Let's uh, grab a break as we go to break. Two tickets to ECU High Point coming up on Wednesday. It's a 6 o'clock game, not 7, 6. And you'll get a gift card to Chico's Mexican Restaurant. Two tickets, Chico's Mexican Restaurant, and you'll be a winner. Caller 3 at 561-GAME, 252-561-4263. And we'll have a pirate report coming up. Online or on the go. Love it. Log on to our brand new website, 943thegame.com. To listen to our top-rated programs throughout the day. You need to. Tell your smart speaker to stream 94.3 The Game to take us anywhere you are at any time. Pirate basketball lives right here. Right here. Flagship station of the ECU Pirates, 94.3 The Game. There's a fairy tale they say. He was made of snow, but the children know how he came to life one day. All right, uh, this is not that, but we can tell you that happening tonight is Christmas with Craig Woolard and the Embers for Pitt County Operation Santa Claus. 7 o'clock, you can buy tickets at the Door Reimage Church. Uh, hope you will head out to this uh, fantastic event where all of the money will go to uh, Operation Santa Claus to help uh, provide toys to needy children in Pitt County at Christmas time. Fund is ministered by the Salvation Army in Pitt County, uh, Greenville Fire and Rescue, their local effort. Uh, thanks to uh, those that have uh, stepped up to help. Uh, with this, and uh, again, you can uh, probably still head over to the website. I think you can still buy tickets online, uh, but you can get them at the door, and uh, there are uh, a scant few remaining. So, uh, something you could certainly do, and we hope you'll consider doing that. All right, uh, should be a lot of fun tonight. Eric from Grimesland is uh, with us on the uh, program. He was the uh, winner of a couple of tickets to see ECU in uh, High Point plus a Chico's Mexican restaurant gift card. What up, Eric? What's going on? What's going on? Congratulations. 
Appreciate um, it. Thank you. Any uh, any thoughts on anything, Eric? You want to roll out there? Um, uh, I know uh, you have asked before about highs and lows for the weekend, and uh, uh, for my highs, uh, my giant won last night. I was very uh, excited about that, okay. and I I don't have a low, but I have a better high, and that was the Cowboys' loss. That was pretty amazing. That was, and Zay Jones was enormous in that game. Yeah, Uh, I I I saw that. I I saw that he he uh, he's really stepped up. So really happy for him. And the way because Lawrence fumbled, but they used their timeout, so they got the ball back, and he led him into field goal range. And uh, yeah, it was a. and then obviously the big run in overtime. That was so Trevor Lawrence and uh, speaking of teams below five hundred that are in the playoff hunt. The Jags remain in the playoff hunt. That's crazy. Yeah, uh, yeah. All right. Hey, uh, thanks a lot, Eric. Uh, be safe out there. Merry Christmas to you, and uh, hopefully we'll see you out there on Wednesday. The game's Absolutely. at six, thank by the you. way. The game's at six, by the, the way. Okay. Well, thank you, all buddy. Right. We appreciate it. the game is at six, by the yeah. way, on Wednesday. Just so you know. Okay, it's six. All right, yeah. got you. Six o'clock. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Hey Ben, do you have the uh, Trevor Lawrence where he talks about Zay Jones? I do. Can you get that? Yeah, let's uh, let's play a little of that there. That was a heck of a comeback uh, by the Jags. I, I kind of, I, you know, I, I would say I'm rooting for the Jags on some level. Ben, my dad's turned and rooted for the Jags, and he was a diehard Panthers guy. But but now he's a Jags fan. So okay. a couple of things set him over the edge before the season. So interesting. All right, uh, here's Trevor Lawrence on the play of Zay Jones, who was sensational yesterday. It wasn't necessarily a game where I, was, I knew Zay was going to have a huge day. It was just kind of how things went, and then we got some calls in there, you know, like the double move out on the outside with a long touchdown that we got off the card, which was awesome. There you go. I'm looking at Zay Jones' stats right now, putting together a really good year for oh, no, he's, two or three. I mean, it's a he, huge step up from his previous years. He's had a he's had a big time year this year. Tell you who would love to have him right now, your guys. Yeah, oh, we would love to have a, a Zay Jones. All right, let's do today's pirate report. And now Patrick Johnson with today's pirate report on the flagship station of the ECU Pirates, ninety four three, the game. Okay, uh, Mike Swartz, his reaction to the win over South Carolina by the Pirates on Saturday. Yeah, it, it is, and I got so much respect for South Carolina's basketball program uh, from just being at Tennessee and being there when Frank Martin was there and what he built there and now knowing Coach Paris and what a great job and what a great coach he is. So just nothing but great respect for them and their program and their coaching staff. All right, the Pirates and Coach Schwartz trying to build off a really good first-half performance. Yeah, you know, we talked about that at halftime in that, you know, it wasn't necessarily because what we were doing was working on both ends, at least in terms of what we were trying to accomplish. And we just talked about halftime. It wasn't about changing what we're doing, but we got to do what we're doing better. And, and you know what, unfortunately, I think we actually went the other way in the second half. And, you know, and that's a learning. We just talked about that, a learning point we just talked about in the locker room that we're hope we're fortunate enough to play or hopeful we're fortunate enough to play with leads at some point. And whether those leads are big or not big, you got to know how to play with leads. And, you know, we knew South Carolina was going to fight. They're a really good team, and they got really good players and a great coaching staff. And I thought we allowed that fight 
to put us on our heels a little bit in the second half, especially on the defensive rebounding. Uh, let's skip to four here, Ben. Coach Swartz happy with uh, the way that the Pirates defended on the perimeter. Yeah, you know, that obviously any time that the team has dynamic scores and guys that can go get it from beyond the three-point line uh, like Chico can and that Gigi can get it all over the court, uh, it's a great challenge, and, and I'm proud of our guys in accepting that and wanting to take pride in doing that. The guy that really hurt us was Hayden Brown, and we talked about him being a real X factor for the team going into the game, and, uh, you know, I think we were solid on him in the first half, but he really hurt us in the second half. R.J. Felton with uh, 21 po uh, points. Pirates are 3-0 and in games where he scores 20 or more. And Coach Schwartz talked about uh, the homecoming for R.J. Felton. It sounds like a broken record, and you and I talk about this a lot, but the way R.J. works every single day, the way R.J. prepares himself for practice, workouts, film, whatever it may be, he's just got a business-like approach that we want everybody on our team to have, and guys are getting it. There's other guys coming along with that, but I will say R.J.'s been so consistent with that mindset, and I'm sure it was exciting for him to come back home and play in his home state and be able to play well in here. Just so proud of R.J. and what he means to this team and what he did today. Well, we'll hear a cut or two from R.J. Felton here in a minute. Uh, last thing from Coach Swartz I wanted to get to, and he talked about the Pirates' uh, really good three-point shooting, particularly how terrific it was in the first half. We need those kind of numbers. The last couple games, it hasn't gone in the basket quite the way we wanted it to from behind the arc, and you can't, you can't ever bank on that, but it was good to get off to a good start, and then particularly R.J. hit a huge one in the corner late in the game. That was, that was a big one that you know we had kind of hit a little point where we were stalling on offense some, and he made a big play in the corner. Uh, let's see here. R.J. Felton uh, talked about uh, the, his thoughts on the win over South Carolina. I'm feeling good. I'm glad that um, I get to play where playing in Greenville, South Carolina, where my home state. Get to see my family out here. Have had to um, give a little show to my folks over there and back at the crib. So I'm very excited. He talked about the corner three and uh, knocking that down with some regularity uh, against South Carolina in Greenville Saturday. Yes, sir. I've been focusing on, on my corner three because I came in the game. I came towards this game. Uh, I was shooting three for 13 from the corner, so I was focusing on shooting in the corner. And he talked about the chemistry that he and Javon Small have developed. We've been having, we've been having the same chemistry since last year. Uh, me, me and him know how to work together on and off the ball. We know how to set each other up. During the last few, couple of minutes, he was looking at me through the um, chin cut, and um, he was making good passes and making the right reads. And this is Felton on the game being a big confidence booster. It's a huge confidence builder because uh, we we came in the game we 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 came in the game of winning off on Coppin State and then um, we we had this another we had another big W towards on uh, SEC. Respect I respect the opponent over there in South Carolina. They came out they came out in the second half off 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 a whole lot of energy. Yep. And um and then we had to um, we had to battle back. All right, we're uh, allotting some time for Coach. Uh, Coach Commissioner Oresco coming up uh, here in just a few minutes. By the way, Jalen Hurts, it is a throwing shoulder injury, Benjamin. Uh-oh. Minshew mania. Hey, I'm excited. Minshew can carry it. Hey, Minshew might be better than Jalen Hurts. I'll go oh. on record by saying oh, that. Oh, my gosh. Here we go. He can throw it over those mountains over yonder. <laughs> Oh, all right. Um, here is the one and only Ben B-Baby Byram, and I mean one and only, 
uh, with a sports flash update for 94-3 the game. And then we'll get to Commissioner Oresco. Uh, a lot, plenty of time for him. Of course, we're all uh, driving this towards the top of the hour where we'll have Inside ECU Athletics. I believe Coach Schwartz is on the program tonight. And uh, we'll also have uh, for you uh, at 7, Panther Talk with our guy Jim Zoki and uh, the Panthers radio crew over on 103.7 WTIB. Right now, here is uh, Ben with a 94-3 The Game update. Ben? Thanks, Patrick. Huge win for the Pirates this weekend on the hardwood as East Carolina tops South Carolina and Greenville, South Carolina. As R.J. Felton scored a game-high 21 points, East Carolina never trailed to defeat South Carolina 64-56 in the Greenville Winter Invitational. East U led at the half big, and Coach Schwartz talked about his team getting a win, but was a little had some criticism when it came to the team's offensive rebounding. I know we shot the ball well at 50% today, but we weren't able to offensive rebound very well. We only had five offensive rebounds and when you shoot the ball at a high percentage obviously there's not as many of them but they had 15 and believe it or not Jeff we told our guys that they're going to come in here and they're going to really look to get 15 offensive rebounds that was the number that coach Madsen used with our team that we cannot let them do that so that's an area we're going to look at and we got to fix but Josh Gray I remember him from last couple seasons at South Carolina he's a really strong player and, and he did a job on us. You can hear for more from Coach Mike Schwartz later tonight, right after this show at 6 o'clock at the Inside ECU Athletics Coaches Show with Mike Schwartz live from Logan's Roadhouse. Stay tuned for that immediately following the Patrick Johnson Show. Once again, R.J. Felton scored 21 points along with three assists and three steals in the win. He was named to the AAC's weekly honor roll earlier today for his performance in that game. The Pirates wrap up the non-conference portion of their schedule with Wednesday at 6 o'clock against High Point in Menji's Coliseum. Myrtle Beach Bowl currently underway between UConn and Marshall. And Marshall jumped out to a big lead, leading 21 to nothing over the Huskies. But now it's getting interesting here as we head into the fourth quarter of the final stretch as the Thunder and Herd lead 28 to 14 over Connecticut at the beginning of the fourth quarter. Elsewhere in college football, Navy promotes their defensive coordinator Brian Newberry to be the new full-time head coach after the firing of veteran head coach Ken Niamatololo. The Panthers' two-game win streak came to an end against the Steelers. Carolina trailed early and could not mount a comeback in a 24-16 home loss. Sam Darnold passed for 225 yards and a touchdown in that game and says the Panthers didn't perform up to expectations. You know, I think they did a good job, obviously, of, of you know, stopping our run game and, and getting pressure. Um, but, you know, I think we're a better team than what we showed today. The Panthers are now in second place of the NFC South behind Tampa Bay at 5-9. Wrapping it up, NC State has given defensive coordinator Tony Gibson a three-year contract extension. The deal's reportedly worth nearly $4 million before additional incentives. The Tar Heels have added a pair of experienced players to the transfer portal. Defensive back Elijah Huzzy is leaving East Tennessee State, and offensive lineman Willie Lampkin is departing Coastal Carolina to join the Tar Heels. That's going to do it for your 94 Through the Game Sports Update. On the other side, we'll hear from AAC Commissioner Mike Oresco with the P-Man right here on the Patrick Johnson Show. Eastern North Carolina's home for the Adam Gold Show. Come on in. Weekdays at noon, right here on Eastern Carolina's home for sports. I love sports. And the flagship station of the ECU Pirates, 94.3 The Game. 
Like us on Facebook for breaking sports stories and the latest from around the Pirate Nation. Oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. That's 94.3 The Game's Facebook page. Like us and follow us there today. Anytime we get a chance to catch up with the Commissioner of the American Athletic Conference, it is a huge day. And today is one of those days. Mike Oresco joins us here on the Patrick Johnson Show. Commissioner Oresco, Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to you. Great to talk to you. Always great to be on with you, Patrick. And Merry Christmas uh, and happy holidays to all of you, your viewers. And, um, you know, again, always great to be with you. Well, I know Pirate Nation's excited. Big win in basketball over the weekend. A lot of anticipation for... uh, you know, the baseball season, as there always is uh, around the holidays because it's right around the corner. But uh, pirate football, back-to-back uh, years going to a bowl game and a big one, a post-Christmas bowl uh, in the Birmingham Bowl against Coastal coming up. Uh, Commissioner, as you look at uh, the bowl season, seven teams from the American getting in, and then we've kept an eye as well on the teams that will be entering. I think there's a handful of those uh, that will be uh, playing in the uh, uh, next season, uh, three four or five of those that'll be uh, taking place. So kind of an exciting bowl season for, for fans uh, that have of teams in the American, I would imagine. Oh, no question about it. And you're right about uh, baseball being really a you know, great sport at, at ECU and, and Cliff does a great job. I mean, last year I really finally thought they were going to the college world series, right. And uh, just didn't, didn't pan out. And uh, Michael Schwartz gotten off to a great start in basketball, uh, you know, and um, you know, uh, Ken McNeil doing well in women's basketball, but uh, football center stage right now. You're right, Patrick. And uh, as far as the bowls go, you know, it's it's sort of a mixed bag. You know, um, it, I like to watch them. I think everybody does. I just I just don't know that I would uh, attribute any significant meaning to them in the sense that it's great for the kids to be able to play the game, and you want to see them play hard, and 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 these are you know, fun games for them. But there's so many opt-outs and so many coaches gone. Mm-hmm. And, and now the transfer portal, you just never know who's actually showing up for the bowl game. I mean, that, that Florida-Oregon uh, uh, State game didn't really, to me, didn't, didn't mean anything. And Florida had most of his players opt out, including the quarterback. And uh, you just it, it has nothing to do with the regular season. And unfortunately for us, it actually does matter because we have a merit pool with, with the so-called G5, you know, and uh, – not sure that'll continue in the long term, but we have it now. And, and so the computer rankings come into play as to which conference is the best conference each year. We win it most years. We've had the regular season title virtually every year. And every one time or twice, we, we actually lost out because of bowl season. Yeah. And uh, as you know, it depends on who you're, you know, whom you're playing. It depends on how many opt-outs you've had, whether your coach is there. You know? And so in that sense, it's, it's an unusual season on the other hand it's fun to to watch the games and i hope our teams do well i think uh, some teams have more incentive than others and i think ecu will have a lot of incentive because they're a building program as you pointed right, out right and, you know they, and and they've got a lot to prove and, and and coastal that's a good good opponent you know sometimes like utsa played um troy and and outgained them by 200 yards and and they did everything they could to throw the game away unfortunately you know should have won it and they're, yeah. they're a team coming into our league uh, and they're going to be a good team, no question about it. You know, SMU had a shot to beat BYU and, and uh, opted to go for two and then didn't make it. Uh, you know, you just never know with these games. Uh, but we, you're right, we have a bunch of teams from, uh, you know, a Conference USA that are coming in our league who are in bowl games. North Texas lost a close one to Boise, and uh, 
you know, Rice was, you know, held up pretty well against Southern Miss. And Rice, as you know, uh, didn't really qualify in the sense of getting to six right, wins. But right. they, because of their academic record, they were one of the five, seven teams picked to play. And, and they gave a good account of themselves. So overall, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. Commissioner Mike Oresco's with us. Have the bowl, has the bowl season in its current form, I don't want to say outlived its usefulness, but but what changes need to be made to incentivize you know, players to not opt out? Uh, I guess you can't control what happens in the portal. There are players that declare for the portal but still play in the game, some that decide not to once they declare, or maybe it's decided for them. Uh, but but is there a way to to maybe have these players participate so it is a representation and a true reward for a good season? Yeah, it's hard to say, um, uh, Patrick, what – you know, what incentives would work or not work. Um, I, I, there's no question that bowls have changed dramatically ever since the first opt-out, what, five years ago or so. Um, coaches like the bowl games because they get a couple more weeks of practice. They get to, you know, uh, evaluate their players, and especially their, their new players. Uh, on the other hand, players on the field are often not the same players who played in the regular season. And depending on the motivation of the teams, uh, you know, that can, that can be a factor. Uh, I, I do think bowls will survive, and I, and I don't see any reason for them not to survive. Uh, the only the only way they won't is if, if kids don't want to play anymore. If teams basically say to their coaches, we really don't want to play. And that hasn't happened. You know, when you really think about the opt-outs, it's really not that many kids, uh, although it's more and more. And, um, and a lot of the stars, you know, when you lose your quarterback, it affects your whole team, as you know. And you have a lot of quarterbacks opting out. But on the other hand, um, the, the portal has, has, has made a, you know, a significant impact, too, because now you've got all those kids who, while they're not technically opting out, they're gone. And so you, you don't have them either. And uh, I, I just think in the end, as long as you, you view the bowls in the proper perspective, that they're almost like, like high – I don't want to say they're exhibition games, but, but they're, they shouldn't really necessarily – I mean, they have this bowl challenge, right? Mm-hmm. I, I don't know whether it's – it's it's sort of informal, I guess. One of the networks probably does it. It's meaningless. It really is meaningless. I mean, if if, if you know somebody goes zero and six, they probably had four teams that, that might have won if it had been a regular season game, right? And so it doesn't really mean anything in that sense. But if the kids want to play and the games are entertaining, the other thing you got to remember is ESPN loves putting these games on. Sure, uh, yeah. You know they they do great ratings. I watched a good number of them over the weekend. They were very entertaining. You know, they were fun games. And uh, as long as that's the case and ESPN's willing to pay for them and the local communities support them enough and the, and the local organizing committees want to do it, more power to them. I have no problem at all with, with the games. It's just that let's not, let's not attribute more to them than they really are. And that's my only concern. We've got the commissioner of the American Athletic Conference, Mike Oresco, joining us here on the program uh, today. Always great to catch up with Commissioner Oresco. I think it was very healthy for Tulane to be the team to win the American Athletic Conference for a number of reasons. Uh, certainly, we would have liked ECU to have had a chance to play in that game, but uh, I think it is a good look and bodes well for the AAC and its future that a team that is not departing won the championship and is participating in a New Year's Six Bowl. Oh, I don't think there's any question about that. Uh, Patrick, I don't root in those games because UCF was still a member of right. you know, in good standing right. in our conference. On the other hand, the fact that in the end Tulane won it, it is a good thing for the future because ultimately uh, they are in the league. Uh, also, uh, it, it points up another thing. We've had uh, 
you know, five different teams play on New Year's Day. I mean, think about that. That's almost half our conference. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, that's impressive because, you know, we're not a one, you know, you look at some of these, you know, they're going over basketball winning each year, right? Or not each year, but they, they won, you know, and, and they, they were the standard bearer. In our case, we've had a lot of different teams that have, have won this thing. And, and I think that shows you, you know, depth up and down the line. Uh, Tulane and, and we, you know, Memphis is a team that's still in our league, and, and they they went to the New Year's Day game back in '16. Um, obviously, UCF and, and Houston and Cincinnati all played in one, and, and you know we're we're pleased that they did, and, and they left a great legacy for the conference. Um, but yeah, it's you know, it's just nice that uh, that they happen to be in the league. But again, I I would have been happy if UCF had, had been in it. They 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 would have earned it by winning, and they also have contributed a lot to our league. You know, that's the one thing about the teams that are leaving. You can't you can't uh, begrudge them. You know they they wanted to go. They think they're greener pastures. That's fine. That's the nature of realignment these days. And I wish them well because they were great additions to our league and they built our league. And now we've got some new teams coming in. I think they can do the same. I don't think there's any question that UTS A and and um, you know, UAB and North Texas and you know Rice is coming on. You look at FAU just hired Tom Herman. Charlotte made an interesting hire in Viv Pogi and. Uh, you know, you've got uh, some some good good schools coming in, and I think that in the end uh, they'll do what the others did. You know, it wasn't like Houston and Cincinnati and, and UCF were, uh, you know, uh, tearing it up 10, 12 years ago. Although UCF did have a great first year with the, you know, with the Fiesta Bowl win mm-hmm. uh, with George O'Leary, but it's it's not as though people really looked at our conference and said, "Boy, you guys, uh, you have Secretariat out there." You know, at that that point, you know, we we you know we had a lot of teams struggling. You know, and yet they had good coaches. They had the commitment. They had the commitment of their administration. They wanted to play at the highest level. Without that, forget it. And so they spent the money, uh, even though we didn't have as much money as the others. And they did what they needed to do to hire good coaches. And uh, we didn't necessarily, you know, weren't able to keep a lot of them, but we were able to hire good ones and to replace them. And that's been the story of the conference in football and also to some degree in basketball. Commissioner Mike Oresco uh, joining us uh, here. I want to get into some of the. Uh, programs that are joining the American, but uh, with an expanded playoff, just to sort of you know, sort of encapsulate the discussion on the postseason, is that the thing that is the next logical step? And it was very interesting to hear a couple weeks ago Bubba Cunningham at UNC, who who was not at one of the so-called P five programs. It's not like he's a blue blood in that sense he he had been some other places he's seen it from a lot of different perspectives he was advocating for going 16 and every conference champ goes and and i i tend to agree with him on that then you have a a smaller pool of at larges won't happen i don't think but uh is this system a good system for the american as you see it commissioner this new expansion to 12 uh definitely uh patrick definitely we uh we benefit because you know eight out of ten years we'd have been in this playoff and we didn't have access, as you know, for the most part. Mm-hmm. You know, we got in last year, almost a miracle, and give all the credit for, to Cincinnati. But they had to go undefeated. Uh, they had to beat Notre Dame on the road. A lot of things had to go right. A lot of a lot of P five champions had to have two losses, and so it was it was it was chancy. And as you know, we had UCF and Houston and others who were really worthy teams and didn't didn't have a shot at it. They would have in this scenario. So no, it's a great scenario because it's also. The, the top six conference champions, it doesn't talk about G5, P5. We want to get rid of that G5 label, so that helps, you know, to not have it officially enshrined in anything. And uh, and so it, there's a lot of positives to it. On the other hand, is whether we go to 16 or not, I mean, who knows? You know, these things always tend to expand. 
Um, what I did notice is because of the way that, you know, you work the, the buys, you know, that, that you have to be a champion to be a buy, and that's fine because a championship should mean something. But you had some teams in there that were probably not necessarily the best teams, you know, whether uh, I think Clemson and Utah would have had a buy, but you had teams on the outside like Alabama mm-hmm. and Ohio State and others that would not have had a buy. And they're really powerful teams that probably could get to the championship game and, and, and would end up playing four games. I thought originally that it would be unlikely that anybody would play four games. But when you really look at the way the buys could, could shake out, I think it's quite possible. That's a, a lot of games. We have to keep a, let's keep our eye on that, see how that affects the health and safety of our student-athletes. But assuming everything works out, to go to 16 would just mean that everybody would have to play that fourth game, right? It's not as radical a move as you might right, think. Right, right. Uh, I, I would love, as you said, I would love the 10-6. Uh, I also agree with you that, it, that there'd be a serious opposition to it because all it would be doing, uh, as far as the, the big guys are concerned, is, is to give you know the, the so-called G5, I hate that term, as you know, but the right. schools at the, the lower end of FBS, it would give them an opportunity to be in, whereas now they're probably – Less likely, we're going to be fighting right, right for the most part. Maybe, maybe there's a P5 team some year that will really struggle P5 conference, but for the most part, we're fighting you know, the four other conferences for that that last spot and, uh, of the automatics, and we're probably not likely to be in that large team. We tend to have to go undefeated to get serious consideration for that kind of thing until until they start taking us more seriously, uh, and they probably should have over the years, but they haven't. Uh, the other thing is. Um, you know, again, a 10-6, every, every conference championship game would have tremendous meaning. Most of them will now, even in the new system. But, uh, no, I, I think that's something that uh, – I think it, it, they're starting to develop some traction for it and then sort of pe- you know, petered out. You know, and, and, but, you know, these things always tend to expand. Mm-hmm. At some point, though, you reach a limit in football, uh, Patrick. There's too much strain, too much wear and tear on the kids. I mean, as it is now, if you play four games, you're going to be playing a 17-game NFL season. Uh, I know the NFL guys when they make the playoff end up playing twenty, but they're they're, they're grown men. I mean, you know, they're they they've matured to the point where they're not they're not eighteen, nineteen year olds. Uh, you know, they they're better able to handle the pressure. They're older, more mature. It's just a tough tough situation for us, and we hope that it works out. I think it will, but we're going to have to be real careful, and we should review our regular season, make sure that uh, you know we're not uh, putting too much wear and tear on the kids before they even get to the playoff. Yeah, understood. Uh, let's pause here. Commissioner Mike Oresco is on the line with us from the American Athletic Conference. We'll grab a break. We'll come back and uh, have more with the commissioner right after this on the PJ Show. Miss a moment. Of- Remember, there will be a test. You can log on to the brand new 943thegame.com for the podcast of the PJ Show. Plus, what's going on with sports in Pitt County and around the globe. And the latest on the ECU Pirates. Log on today to the brand new 943thegame.com. You are dismissed. And now, the stunning conclusion of the show. <laughs> it's the P Man here on 943 The Game. Commissioner Mike Oresco joins us uh, here on the Patrick Johnson Show today. Uh, we're talking uh, a lot of college football. We're talking the American big matchup uh, still for the American champ Tulane against uh, USC coming up uh, in uh, one of the uh, New Year's Six Bowls. And, of course, the Pirates will have Coastal Carolina in a matchup coming up uh, after Christmas in the Birmingham Bowl uh, against a very uh, – 
representative coastal program that has uh, had a lot of success in recent years. Commissioner, as you uh, look at, uh, we've talked about things like uh, players opting out, expanding the the playoffs and what that means is more games. Uh, As we look at other things that have really changed dramatically in the last couple of years, the portal and then NIL, Uh, we've talked about it before as as we revisited here. I mean, there are some institutions uh, through their collective that are able to maybe use it as a, a way to lure recruits, free agency in a sense. The guardrails, how close are we to, to being able to truly get that, or are we just too far gone with, with NIL and, and, and being able to somehow put some parameters around it that makes sense? Well, that, that's, the, that's a great question, Patrick. It's, it's going to be a, a struggle because – hard to roll back the ocean sometimes. On the other hand, if we if we can create a, a fair market value system where you have to prove that there is some reasonable fair market value to what these kids are getting, uh, because remember, NIL was supposed to be NIL, right? Use of name, image, and likeness right. to, to promote. And if it's just recruiting and retention and somebody's being paid $300,000 when they're worth maybe $1,000 on the open market in terms of, a, of an endorsement, right? Uh, then I think you know what, what's happened to the system. And, and we know it's happening now, and we knew it would happen. So I think if you can somehow get a, a system, and there are companies that determine reasonably fair market value, uh, then I think you know, you've got a chance to maybe rein in NIL. Pay for, for play might be coming. Uh, maybe we need a, an overall collective, national collective bargaining system whereby the kids are not employees because I don't think that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Or union members, I don't think that's good for college sports. It's not even college sports anymore at that point. But if you can get them like that, and, and maybe what we want from Congress, I think, should be, um, and, and I did talk to the incoming president, Charlie Baker, mm-hmm. uh, Governor Baker, uh, last week, had a nice half-hour conversation with him, well, and he agreed we should we should go in with a plan and ask Congress to give us the antitrust protection we need so that we don't all go bankrupt, you know, with lawsuits constantly. A lot of them, I think, are, are kind of frivolous myself. But, you know, I think in the end, um, NIL is a tough one. Now, NIL could also keep players actually playing in bowl games, you know, um, where they might not otherwise. I think they're, you know, they're looking at ways where, you know, companies could, could support athletes and, and give them something so that they actually – feel that maybe it's not worth opting out. I mean, all that's uh, still in, in the early stages. You know, we just don't know how this is all going to shake out. But we have to come up with a plan. And I don't think there's any question that if we don't, you're going to have chaos for a long time. It's not really NIL. It's, uh, it's strictly pay to play and, um, and recruit. And we'll see what happens. Commissioner Mike Oresco joining us here on the program. When you talk to Governor Baker, who, who does take over soon as the president of the NCAA, what are some of the things? Is it, is it just sort of a, I don't say a friendly conversation in the sense that it was would be hostile otherwise, but was it just a get to know you conversation, or, or did you have a chance maybe to express some of your ideas uh, towards a, a better and more comprehensive NCAA? A little bit of both, but mostly get to know you, you know, kind of thing. I really enjoyed you know, talking to him, meeting him. Um, I kidded him, you know. Um, uh, I'm a Tufts graduate, and he said he he would have worn his jumbo tie if uh, you know being in Massachusetts uh-huh. if he'd known that. We we had some lighthearted moments. I really liked him, and he and he, he knew a lot about our conference. Uh, he knew a lot, he really has followed the Tulane story. Really loves it. Loves the underdog stories. I think he's really committed to uh, college athletics. He's he's really a fan. You can tell that. 
Um, and we did talk about some of the major issues and some of the things, but yeah, in, a, in a very general sense, you know, because again, it's only a half hour conversation. Right, but, right. But he, um, I think he wants to get something done. I mean, I think he really believes that we can and have a savvy politician who has, has you know, been a governor and has worked both sides of the aisle. He's a, he's a Republican in a Democratic state, shows he can build consensus. I think that's really important for us. I think we needed that kind of, uh, you know, we needed that kind of uh, expertise. Commissioner, I know uh, you're, you're strapped for time. We really appreciate your time here with us. Uh, when you look at the, the institutions coming in, are they positioned from a budgetary standpoint, facilities, uh, commitment I know uh, is there, but a lot of that is money in facilities. How do you feel about the future of the of the American as it pertains to football and athletics overall? Uh, great question, and it's going to be the fundamental question for our future because, as you know, Patrick, football drives everything. I think the schools are pretty well prepared, but they've got work to do. You know, they, they know they have to spend more money. They know they have to uh, spend more money on their staff. They have to spend more money on their coaches. Uh, they have to, you know, make sure their facilities are, are as good as ours, uh, the incumbent schools. And But I think UTSA has a great program and a good fan base. And you look at UAB and you look at FAU and what they've built over the years. And, and you, you look at what Charlotte, I think, can do and is willing to do. They're, they're more of a flyer. that we, we took a flyer on them. But we think they've got great potential. And Rice is spending money. They have the money. And they... Uh, making the commitment so you know north texas has tremendous resources some of the best facilities already in our conference mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. the beautiful stadium at uab is as nice as any in our conference yeah. so I, I do think they come in with some definite positives with some good coaches with some good programs you know the two teams that played in the conference championship game conference usa championship game were teams coming into our league utsa and north texas so but they're, they're gonna have to step up in, in other areas no question about it and they know it commissioner thank you for the time we appreciate it Oh, Patrick, always a pleasure. Uh, always a pleasure to be with you. Uh, again, a Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays to, to you and your viewers. And uh, uh, again, always great to be with you. Uh, uh, always a pleasure. Thank you. Pleasure is ours. Thank you. Uh, Commissioner had to go there. Uh, we got a couple of questions sent from fans, and I'm sorry I didn't get a chance to get to them. Uh, we, we thought we had a few more minutes with uh, Mike than we did, but uh, I'm sure we'll have him back on. Very, very soon. It usually gives us an hour and a half, so this was a surprise. <laughs> We've had to go over sometimes. That's true. That is very true. Uh, it's funny because it's true. It's funny because it's true. Uh, apparently, NC State has had a player uh, decommit from their football program. Kyron uh, Jones out of Charlotte Christian. Three-star athlete. Uh, four three four forty uh, has uh, decided to uh, decommit from North Carolina State, and uh, he uh, apparently will reopen his recruiting. How about that? Nobody wants to play for Uncle Dave. Don't know. Don't know if anybody wants to play for Uncle Dave or not. Uh, 28-14, 4-0-8 to go. Marshall against uh, UConn. Both teams are just trying to out-penalty one another at this point. Uh, let's uh, thank Mike Oresco for joining us. And when we come back uh, tomorrow, we'll have Mike Houston with us tomorrow for a Houston huddle. Looking forward to having Coach on. Stay tuned. Inside ECU Athletics, the radio show is next. Mike Swartz will be on there tonight. It's live from Logan's Roadhouse. Have a great rest of your evening. Thanks to Ben Byram, as always. And we will uh, bring it back to you tomorrow with the Patrick Johnson Show. Oh.